0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This song races It's Genesis It was number five On the top charts in the 80s The H1 MTV played it constantly
2: Because it's no fun being an illegal
1: alien, it's no fun, being an illegal alien, it's not much fun, but apparently it's worth it, gimme gimme, welcome folks to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. It's not much
2: fun being an illegal alien.
1: Hmm. Politically incorrect? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's start again. Welcome, folks. It's October twenty-third, two thousand eighteen, United States of America planet Earth, third planet from the Sun, and I'm your host Dr. C. Robert Jones yes indeed so um illegal alien they're um they're coming, and what's striking about this caravan as it's being called is that The majority of those interviewed by Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all the numbers, all the all the all the alphabets, is that the common theme is that they deserve to be admitted to the United States for asylum. They deserve to be here. That Donald Trump isn't going to stop them. From coming into the United States. It's just not going to happen. According to. The refugees. And the problem with this. Thought process is. If they're seeking asylum. They had. Two or three countries. That they're. Traveling through. In which to seek. Asylum. And according to the law international law and U.S. law, they're supposed to seek asylum in the country, the first country that they enter into. So, the refugees are not seeking asylum in Mexico or any other country except the United States of America. And The sad part about all this, folks, is that the Democrats teed this one up because if it weren't for Democrats, if it weren't for sanctuary cities, if it weren't for Democrats coddling illegals and and, and stating outright, if you come, we will take care of you. We will look out for you. We will give you health care. We'll give you uh, housing. We'll provide sustenance. We'll look out for you. We'll, we will protect you from those evil Republicans and from, in, from anyone else. Just keep coming. Because as you know, and I do too, the Democrats are all about votes. See, they don't really – and I'll tell you this for sure – they don't really care about Immigrants coming into the country, Mexicans or otherwise, playing up and playing to them and playing them for votes. Because what it's really all about is keeping them in power, and they believe that if they kiss the asses of folks coming into the country through our southern borders illegally… That that ass-kissing will turn into votes later on, and those votes will keep them in power. See, it's not about doing the right thing. It's not about uh, compassion, as they say. It's about votes. Because as I've stated on other other shows, previous shows… The black vote, they've got that sewn up. White people are dying out because they've decided they don't want to have children because children, well, they just get in the way. And so Hispanics, well, fortunately, they're all about and we're all about because I'm part Hispanic, family. And we will make 10… Twenty of us, if we could support that many, and our careers are secondary to family. White people, it's all about career. It's all about it's it's all about me, for them. And children, well, a lot of white folks uh, who who came up in the '80s and in the '90s, you know, they're selfish people a lot of them not all of course not but a lot of white people growing up when we in, in the 80s when i was coming up and in the 90s it was all about career career advancement remember watching all those movies with michael j fox and some others about ascending to the corporate ladder and you know getting your piece of the corporate pie how many movies did you see michael j fox in and even the, and there were even some black movies about you know the guy who who makes his way to the top after working in the mailroom that was a michael j fox movie it was all about corporate remember 9 to 5 all those movies centered around and even mr mom one of my favorites it was all about how far you could get in the corporate world and having children well that was an impediment to that uh, well, now, back to Mr. Mom. i got to clear this up. Um, Terry Gar, who I had a big crush on in the 80s, and of course Michael Keaton, whom I did not, um, they realized that it was really all about family at the end of the movie. But most of the other movies were all about career advancement, and people took that to heart. In the 80s because movie makers understood where their market was, and we had this situation where white people were all about their 2.5 children as we discussed in previous episodes, and they stuck to that, 2.5. Sometimes it was just 1.0. Meanwhile, black folks are… Cranking them out. Bam, 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 bam. Hispanics cranking them out. Bam, 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 bam. Politicians. Hmm. Huh. Where can we get those extra votes from? Oh. Wow. They look at the demographics. They check the census. Hmm. These Mexicans. These Hispanics. Wow. They're Multiplying like rabbits. Mm -hmm. They figured out where the votes are going to come from. And that's really what this is all about, votes. But oddly enough, and haven't you noticed, the Democrats are silent here. Have you heard one Democrat speak To this issue I haven't Not all week Not in the last two weeks Have you heard MSNBC Or CNN Speak to this issue No They're all caught up in this uh, uh, Khashoggi deal The journalist that got knocked off Which I couldn't care less I mean Was he even an American citizen Well, maybe he was. But uh, have you heard CNN talk about this? Talk radio talk about it. Have you heard MSNBC or any liberal speak to this issue? They've been suspiciously quiet. Now, Trump says that they're behind this whole thing, that they're paying to help these people come along because how could they walk Literally, thousands of miles, not hundreds, thousands of miles, to get from there to here, without some form of health care, some food, this or that. Now, we have journalists embedded within the caravan, and a lot of them are from Fox, a couple of them are from Fox, and they say that these people are barely making it, so and they don't see any um signs. that these people are boosted or being taken care of along the way. So I got to take that at face value because I'm not out there. So – but isn't it odd that the Democrats are quiet? And I'm being told that this whole issue is a winning issue for the president and the Republican Party because it's driving the base… To have the wall built, to build the wall, it's driving our base to a frenzy. So there's that. But what are your thoughts? The call in number is six four six 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 eight eight six seven eight. I know we had a lot of callers last week, and I. It didn't take one call. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
0: Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. These poetic lines, engraved on a bronze plaque beneath a Statue of Liberty, speak to who we are, a nation of immigrants. Until now, as Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer lamented, Tears are running down the cheeks of the Statue of Liberty. We've turned our backs on those huddled masses, closed our borders, separated families, hardened our hearts. Or so you would think if you only read the headlines or watch TV news. Just one problem. It's not true. The United States still maintains the most generous immigration policies in the world. Generous to a fault because the overwhelming numbers have stymied our ability to assimilate the huddled masses. Fifty million residents of America are foreign-born. In fact, today the United States has more immigrants as a percentage of its total population than at any time since 1890. That's why, to give one illustration, 176 different languages are spoken among students in the New York City school system. How did we get here? For starters... America grants permanent residence to a million people every single year. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because of something you've probably heard referred to as chain migration. Chain migration allows immigrants to sponsor not only their immediate family, parents, spouses, and children under age 21, but much of their extended family once they gain citizenship, unmarried adult children and any children they might have, married adult children and their children and brothers and sisters and their children. Princeton University researchers, using the most recently available data, found that immigrants sponsored an average of 3.45 additional relatives each. So the 1 million immigrants granted permanent residence each year potentially adds, over time, another 3.5 million. In addition, an estimated 100,000 refugees and asylum seekers, people who claim to be fleeing political or personal strife abroad, enter the country annually. From 2008 to 2017, the U.S. gave green cards to well over a million people for humanitarian reasons, allowing them to live and work here permanently. After five years, they can apply for full citizenship. We're not done yet. In that same time frame, nearly half a million more people came to America through the Diversity Visa Lottery, a program designed to admit more people from underrepresented countries into the U.S. Diversity visa applicants don't need a high school education, job skills, or pretty much anything. And thanks again to chain migration, spouses and unmarried children under 21 of visa lottery winners also get to come to America. This nonstop flow of new legal immigrants, based on family ties instead of skills, abilities, and allegiance to American values, has of course been supplemented by millions who enter the country illegally and stay illegally. Dominant media outlets use the euphemism undocumented, but the official US government term used in federal statutes is illegal alien, an unlawful entrant who came without permission and stays in open defiance of our laws. The number of illegal aliens in the country is usually given as 11 million. But have you noticed that number never seems to change? Common sense suggests it's higher, much higher. And though illegal aliens themselves don't qualify for welfare, They receive free health care in our clinics and hospitals, and through their American-born children, they can expect to receive all manner of benefits, cash aid, food stamps, and housing vouchers. Their children are entitled to a free education in public schools. Building a high-tech border barrier would certainly help stem this flow. Ending chain migration is another obvious remedy. E-Verify, the national database that allows employers to check workers' immigration status, is also essential. So is a fully functioning entry-exit system to track visa overstayers. But all solutions will ultimately fail unless we get control of the numbers and enforce our laws consistently. It's Sovereignty 101. This is our home and we have not only the right but the responsibility to determine who comes in, how many come in, and what qualities and qualifications they bring. The truth is, we let in millions. And of course, millions more want to come. Who can blame them? But it's simply not possible or desirable to let in everyone. And it's not hateful to say so. It's not hateful to protect our borders. It's not hateful to protect our citizens. It's not hateful to protect our values. Lady Liberty may be shedding tears, not because we've stopped welcoming immigrants, but because our ill-conceived immigration policies are threatening the American dream. I'm Michelle Malkin, CRTV host and author of Invasion and Sold Out for Prager University.
1: All right. Michelle, she put it down. What do you think? Do you agree? Do you agree that we allow too many foreigners to come into the country every year? Do you agree that our immigration system is broken? And what do you think about what she said about the overflow of immigrants coming into the United States of America? Are you one of those who who believe that we should welcome everyone, anyone who wants to come into the country who is of decent moral character…  … … who is um, not a criminal, and they should be allowed to just come on in. What happens when the system is overloaded, as inevitably it will be? I think if these five to 7,000 immigrants are allowed to come across the border and come into the United States, and they make it through, just say half of them do… What happens when the next 5,000 and the next 5,000 after that come into the country illegally through the southern border, exposing the loopholes in our laws, exposing the fact that our southern border is exposed, (laughs) meaning that any type of invasion is possible. Not just of people seeking a better life, people seeking asylum, which is crap, but let's just go with it. Asylum. Let's say Mexico. It's far-fetched, I know, but let's say Mexico decides that they want to take back California, New Mexico, Texas, and so on. How easy it is for them to get across <laughs> And suppose Mother Russia Decides they want to Come on through And China Or Any of our Nation's enemies Well the southern border is the, Apparently the easiest place to come through Because if unarmed Unarmed Mothers and children and other people can so easily cross over from one country into the next. Well, how hard is it for armed insurgents to get across? But let's get back to more practical matters, ideas, if you will. How many is too many? We have a system here, and it's kind of like an ecosystem, if you will. Follow me. We have a delicate balance. We have goods, and we have services. We have an enterprise system, a free enterprise system. Now, we have a market, and we have so much money that we put into social programs. Because whether we like to admit it or not, a lot of us, especially us conservatives, our country is somewhat socialist. We take care of the sick. We take care of the needy. Uh, we provide health insurance for those who don't have it, and even if you don't have health insurance at all and you walk into a hospital, chances are you won't be turned away. And as Michelle put out, you can apply for food stamps. Hell, you don't have to have any papers at all. You can – you can, in some cities, you're allowed to vote and and, and acquire driver's licenses. There's a lot going on here that the government provides for, willingly. But what happens when that's overloaded? And then the government says that we just can't afford. We just can't afford to take care of all these people. We don't have the funds. We don't have the resources. Our system is overloaded. What what happens then? While y'all being so real nice and accommodating, saying let them all in. Now I'll be the first to admit this. I work with some with, with this company that I became a part of. It's called it's a it's a construction company. It's an it's a high tech. A company that provides cabling and, and a lot, lot of different things. But the majority of our workers are Hispanics, Mexicans. Let's just put it out there. And I've noticed that they work damn hard every single day. And one of the guys who works for me said to me, um, Doc, when you go out with these guys, to learn what they do, around 4.30, knock it off. Bring everybody in. Because if you don't, they'll be out there all night. They won't stop. They'll keep working. So you have to stop everybody at 4.30. I said, what? They said, yeah. They'll stay out there. They'll keep working. Well, aren't they getting paid like a set amount per day? Yeah, but that doesn't make any difference. So bring them in at 4.30. So I'm like, wow. So now I went out with these group of guys, Mexicans. And I watched them work. Now, you've got four guys on a job site. And they're laying out 1,000 feet of pipe per day. Now, it sounds easy, but they have to dig a series of rectangle Holes, four feet deep, every, every 15 feet for a 1,000 feet, four guys with shovels dig the nicest, neatest little hole, and we have something called a missile that goes through the ground and bores a nice, neat little round hole. And then pipe is strung through there, and then, of course, the wire or the fiber is strung through that. These guys put it down, and they stop for lunch for 30 minutes, and then they get back to work. And I swear to damn God, to God, they get the job done, and they don't stop. And I stood there, and I tried helping, and I just couldn't do it. I consider myself to be in relatively good shape and I couldn't keep up. Now, I'm going to put this out there, too. We had three black guys. Only three. Each one lasted exactly one week. They either couldn't do the work, which is amounting, uh, digging holes, filling the holes back up, uh yeah, they're carrying around some heavy equipment a lot of times. They simply follow instructions of the guys who know what they're doing. But they couldn't last. They couldn't or wouldn't do it. The work was too hard. And they weren't get, getting paid enough. And they didn't want to listen to a bunch of Mexicans. So they quit. One was one fired. I, one was fired. The other two, they just quit after a week. So if I had to rely, on, now, now, the white guys, well, we got some white guys. We have a few, but they work their butts off, too. Not a single one of the new white guys has quit. So, there's that. But the three black guys, they're gone. And we got in two more in this coming week. So, let's see how that works out. But the point is, if I had to rely on African-Americans, so-called African-Americans, to run my cruise, to dig holes in the ground. I'd go broke. My company would be ruined. We'd be done. Game over. There's something to be said about the work ethic of Hispanics, Hispanic-Americans. Hell, even undocumented Hispanics or illegal aliens. At least they work hard. And they'll do a good job. They might work for peanuts. They might work for big bucks. doesn't matter. They work hard. And I, I developed a new appreciation for my Hispanic brothers. When I was working alongside them. And I couldn't keep up. So there's that. But illegally, coming into the country illegally... Thousands? I can see five or six here, ten or twelve there. But thousands? Remember, they're going to be coming in through Texas. They're going to be coming in through California. They're going to be coming in through New Mexico. Those states are going to be overrun. The application process, the detainment process... The everything. And don't forget, if they are allowed through, this sets a precedent for future invasions. You heard me? So, those of you who will say, oh, let them in, let them come in and and, and partake of this, this great American experiment, don't be cruel. Don't – have a heart. Lady Liberty is weeping. No, it's your ass who's going to be weeping when your taxes go up and other stuff happens. When your infrastructure is overrun and guess what? Your taxes go up some more. Everything you buy suddenly costs more. Is it about dollars and cents? No, it's about quality of life. We simply cannot allow every single swing and you-know-what to come into this country and, and partake. We can't just set another chair or another 7,000 chairs at the table. It just doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't. I'm Dr. Jones. We'll be right back.
2: There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life Of courage and a commitment to something greater than themselves. Number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that internet talk radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet talk radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We are America United. This is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. <laughs> All
3: right, former President Obama back on the campaign trail taking aim at President Trump and even taking credit for the economic boom.
4: When you hear
2: how great the economy is doing right now, let's just remember uh, when this recovery started. Suddenly, Republicans are saying it's America. I have to kind of remind them, actually, those job numbers are the same as they were in 2015. In 2016,
3: a lot of people have pounced on that comment. So, is former President Obama really responsible for the Trump economy? Here to break it down is former chief economist for the U.S. International Trade Commission, Professor Peter Morici. Thank you, sir, for coming back on this morning. What numbers is President Obama talking about when he says they're the same now as they were back in 2015?
5: Well, the jobs growth has been about the same during the Trump first two years as during the Obama final two years. That's a fair statement. But that's cherry-picking. Yeah. Growth during the Trump years has been much more robust. We've been averaging growth that's, this year we should get up near 3%. That would put us about 50% above Mr. Obama's performance over his you know term of office. Productivity growth has been particularly strong, and as a consequence, we're starting to see wages go up. That's really good news. What's more, and now this is important because this is something that Mr. Obama worries endlessly about. Mm. That is inequality. Inequality got worse during the Obama years. They seem to think that that's a Republican trap. It's not. During the Obama years, inequality got worse. Now we're seeing low-wage workers getting lots of way- uh, pay increases, bigger than average, you're, and you're we're seeing a lot of training inequality. opportunities.
3: You're, Why? you're talking income inequality. The, the exactly. Okay. Income inequality is
5: narrowing now that the Republicans are creating an opportunity economy. And yeah. that's a real plus. Now, you know, Mr. Obama can't lay claim to those accomplishments. He regulated the economy. Mr. Trump deregulated. Uh, he reformed corporate taxes. And that's encouraging all this investment and in productivity.
3: Yeah. And he also kept interest rates, you know, artificially low. That was a big complaint as well, is that we had such low interest rates for such a long time uh, that it kept uh, the economy more healthy than it probably should have been.
5: There was a very cynical aspect of the Obama recovery, the government borrowed a lot at low interest rates, but also he encouraged young people to borrow a lot for useless college programs. Hmm. I mean, a lot of young people, because they couldn't find jobs, went back to graduate school at second-tier universities and took useless programs, and now they're burdened with debt for the rest of their lives. He used that to stimulate the economy. I mean, this was the, the worst Fagan act of, of, of any president in the last, in the last yeah. two generations.
3: Let's look at it. just a couple more things. Unemployment, uh, I went back to 2015, 2016. You saw labor numbers 5 to 6% in 2015 unemployment. So he obviously wasn't talking about that in the comment we heard from him just there. Right now we're at about 3.9%. Uh, more jobs than workers is a common thing you're hearing a lot right now. GDP numbers were around 4% quarterly.
1: All right, welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Listen, you got to have balls as big as church bells to take credit for another man's work, for another man's effort. I mean, how do you do that? What kind of narcissist does that? Just two years ago, or maybe it was, it was three, Obama stated that we needed to get used to a new normal, that jobs that were lost weren't coming back, that American exceptionalism was over, that ATM machines were the reason why folks weren't being hired at banks and technology was taking over. The America that we were used to, well, that's over. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He didn't say all that verbatim, but he said it. I mean that's what he meant, and it was clear what he meant. So I'm not even using my point of view because he clearly stated the America that we once knew is over. The jobs that were once hours for the taking were, were done. He said these things, along with if you got a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else did that. Remember that? But today, yesterday, last night, Obama once again took credit for this miracle that he says was never going to happen. But suddenly, dude is feeling left out. Maybe that dude he's married to, Michelle, isn't giving him any anymore. Nobody's paying attention to him. He's just another former president being guarded by a measly two secret service agents rolling out in his own car not the beast he's not having his ass kissed every single day and he feels some kind of way about it maybe he feels left out maybe he maybe he's bored maybe he feels like you know he needs to get back out there he wants some attention so he comes out while President Donald John Trump enjoys, what, 18,000, a crowd of 18,000 verified with thousands more outside waiting to try to get in? He has what, 200? Yeah, you heard me right. He had approximately 200 people verified. This is verified. Joe Biden had slightly less than that. All last night, folks, and I I can tell you, I can draw a bigger crowd than that. I need to say, hey, hey, guys, meet me downtown. I can draw a bigger crowd than that. But so, how does Obama get like a, a paltry 200 people, give or take one or two, and stand in front of these people and then take credit Donald Trump's economy? How do, you do, how do you do that with a straight face? Listen to this. I mean, seriously folks, how embarrassing it is it? It is a
3: balancing act and it pays to have a safety net. Carbonite protects business data with cloud and hybrid backup options, offering flexible deployment, secure encryption and point in time recovery. Learn more at carbonite.com.
5: Nobody ever had the condition of having produced the greatest economy in the history of our country, right?
2: Nobody.
4: President Trump confident in the booming economy and that it will help convince voters to vote Republican in 2018 and perhaps in 2020 as well. But his predecessor, President Obama, was quick to jump back into the fray this week and say, not so fast. When you hear all this talk about economic miracles right now, remember who started it. Remember who started it. Remember who started it, said President Obama. Here now, Laura Trump. Listen to that clown. How
1: embarrassing have it is 200 to people?
4: hard in Michigan today, um, but President uh, Obama, former President Obama, dean, and he's trying to convince everybody that this economy is something really that he started.
6: It must be pretty hard to be President Obama, to have been in there, Martha, for eight years, had an opportunity to do so much and to tell the people of this country that the best they could expect is 2% growth, that that was the new normal. And then to see Donald Trump come in in less than two years and have over 4% growth in our economy, and to see the way that the stock market has hit record highs, that unemployment is at record lows, that must be a lot to swallow for him. Um, It's pretty funny to see him try and take credit, since they always try and distance themselves, Democrats, so much from Republicans and this president, but um, I think we all know the economy turned around, and this country started
4: finally heading in the right direction under President Donald Trump. Well, I, I know you've been out uh, doing a lot of campaigning, and I know from 2016 that you always felt that you had a feel for what was going on out there. Now, when you look at the midterm numbers yeah. right now, the latest, um, the latest sort of feel for it is that Democrats are plus four in these races when you travel around. President Obama did not have as big a crowd as President Trump uh, in the rally last evening. Um, it was pointed out in several places on, uh, on the Internet this morning that there were some empty seats there. And I know that President Trump doesn't like to brag about the crowd ever, so we'll, we'll, we'll mention it. <laughs> um, but, you know, what do you see out there? What's your feel for this midterm race? And do you think, and does the president yeah. think, that, that Republicans can actually hold the House, potentially? You're exactly right. I had a feel for the
6: country in 2016, and it was very different, by the way, than what all of the mainstream media was reporting, all the people that gave the president a 1% chance of actually winning the election. I knew there was something happening in this country. Everybody during the campaign who was out in the country talking to people understood that. It's the same thing now, Martha. You're exactly right. We had 100,000 people RSVP for the president's rally last night in Houston. That's unprecedented. We, we've been doing these rallies for almost three years now, and we have not seen that many people ever RSVP for a rally. It's really incredible. I think the people of this country are very motivated on the Republican end now. And I know the Democrats like to talk about it. The media likes to hype them up a lot. But the, the – re- All
1: right. Let me, let me just jump in, jump in here for a minute. I'm looking at a clip – um, Fox News Channel. And looking at a clip while um, Laura Trump is talking to Martha McCallum, and there are, there's a split screen. And one screen shows President Trump with a full house in the second largest stadium in Texas. Of course, we know that the biggest is Jerry Jones's house, which holds about 100,000, maybe a little more. Which is what what uh, Trump was trying to get, but it was already it was already booked, so he couldn't get it but nevertheless, he's got thousands of people, and a hundred thousand a hundred thousand wanted to attend a hundred thousand and I'm looking at the screen of this massive Trump rally and The contrasted screen on the left shows Obama. And you can clearly see how tiny the crowd is. I mean, some have boasted that he enjoyed a crowd of around 200. I don't even see 200 people. I guess if you count the folks who are staged in back of him and then that crowd where the picture, the the camera is. Posed over from behind from from over his shoulder it's the tiniest crowd you you'd ever you, it's embarrassing I'm embarrassed for president for to form for to i'm embarrassed for president former president uh obama right now. see if you can pull it up somewhere I mean how embarrassing and then to stand in front of this paltry crowd while not hundreds, thousands, and try to take credit for Trump's economy in front of less than 300 people. And I'm being generous with that number. Let's get back to the clip.
6: The reality is people understand that if they don't get out and vote for Republicans in this midterm election, all the forward progress that we've seen under President Donald Trump will stop. The Democrats, if they take control of the House and Senate, will try and impeach this president. I think people are taking it very seriously. Everywhere I've gone, people are really excited to vote and vote
4: Republican. A lot of people out there knocking doors, making phone calls and volunteering. We'll see. Uh, Some of the early voting numbers show some momentum that way, but those can be tricky as well. I want to, you know, one of the people that President Trump may end up running against, there's quite a few of them who are possibly in that group, 20 by some estimates. But Kamala Harris is in Iowa right now, um, and she's getting a lot of positive response. She was meeting with some uh, voters. Let's show the video of her talking to voters on the sidewalk for a moment. So there
2: you go. It <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never too early, right? was That's great. <laughs> I'll see you later. All right? <laughs>
4: That's the obligatory, um, you know, campaigner with with baby video. Um, But here's the reporter who was covering it for CNN. Watch this.
2: She's really gotten kind of a rock star reception. Uh, Last night in Des Moines, you could really feel that electricity among uh, about 500 people who showed up to see her. At the end of that event, they were just, like, moving toward her in a human crush. So a lot of love for her here in Iowa.
4: What do you think about that coverage,
2: Laura?
6: Oh well it's CNN Martha what else are they gonna say of course they're gonna think that she's the most wonderful thing to ever happen Um, what we have Martha is a results president this is a president who is delivering for the people of this country and I think even people that did not vote for President Donald Trump in 2016 are going to vote for him in 2020 because their lives are changing for the better they have more money in their pockets they have their 401ks going up they see that they can finally Send their kids to college or, or do something better for their family, take a family vacation for the first time in years. This is what people in this country want to feel. They want to know that this country is safer. Under President Donald Trump, all of that is true. And and I, I would love to know who is gonna run on the Democrat end in twenty twenty, but I think it's
4: going to be incredibly hard to defeat. President Donald Trump. Well, I know uh, your campaign's brought in $100 million uh, at this point, so there's a lot of enthusiasm, uh, and it's going to be fascinating to watch all of it. Laura, thank you very much. Good to see you tonight.
1: All right. Let me ask you this. Well, Well, let me just state this. I know that a lot of you out there Al- who, are, who, who are listening to the sound of my melodious voice. Some, some of you are my friends. Some of you are family. And some of you who are friends and family. Don't care for President Trump. You don't like him. You think he's gauche. You think he's boorish. He's a pig. Some of you are just dumb enough to think he's even a racist. And that's okay. That's fine. You don't like the man. But do you like prosperity? Do you like a strong country, a strong, strong borders? Do you like the economy, the way that it's going? You know, I talk to black folks out there and they say, I can't stand Trump. He's a racist. He's this. He's that. He's this. He's that. Blah, 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 blah. And they listen to the lies, the lies on CNN, MSNBC, and other... Other venues that, that that would love to see the downfall of this president? And they listen to the sound bites and they and they regurgitate to me the same old sound bites. And I'm like, okay, have you checked the job numbers, my man? Job numbers among African Americans, black folks, who are at their lowest since the Great Depression. The Great Depression, my friend, back in the thirties. Hispanics, women, everybody everybody's doing better financially. Living a better quality of life under this president. Now, if you don't like him, okay. When he ran, I didn't like him either. My guy was Ted Cruz. My guy was Marco Rubio. I did not want this guy. But once he received the nomination and won... I stood behind him because he's a winner, and I love winners, and I like to be associated with winners. And more importantly, I like to be associated with a man and an administration that is lining my pockets with bread and making sure that it's the country safe for my children and grandchildren, making sure that he dots the I's and crosses the T's and fulfills every single campaign promise because they were all damn good. That's what, that's what turned me on to President Donald John Trump, because a real man and admires another real man. And what is a real man? A man who takes care of his business. A man who does what he says he will every single time. A man who can be counted on when the chips are up or down. That's a man. A man who handles his business. And guess what? Donald John Trump handling that business, my brother and sisters and amigos and everybody else. So celebrate me home, baby. Donald John Trump is handling things. He's taking care of business. And I want to thank you for listening. You've been great. And tomorrow we're going to pick this up. We're going to pick this up again. In the meantime... Celebrate a brother home, because they're coming to America, baby, and we need to stop their asses. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep it real. All right, good night, folks. You've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Celebrate me home.
2: Home for the holidays I believe I've missed each and every face. Come on and play when we Let's turn on every love light in the place It's time I found my soul Totally surrounded in your circles where the rest of the winds could fly. Somebody tried to tell me, but the man forgot to tell me why. I got to count on being gone. Come on, woman. Come on, baby. Yeah.